Okay, jump up on your feet and grab your Bibles. And let's go to Psalms. Psalms 92. We're going to, I'm going to read from two different passages of Scripture this morning as our opening text, and we're going to work around and trying to get to it there. But I'm going to go to Psalms first, and then we're going to go to the book of Zechariah. But Psalms, Psalms 92. I'm just going to read one verse there. Psalms 92, verse number 10. How many brought your Bibles to church today? Or your device? Let's do another, let's do another quick survey. Who's got a real Bible? Oh, hey, I look like the real Bible folk are catching up. Who's got your device? Go ahead and raise your device up. Raise your device. Oh, we, the, the real Bible people are still behind. Okay, y'all know the people who got a real Bible go out on the first load, right? Y'all know that, you know. We, we, when the horn sounds, we're we the first ones to go. The rest of y'all got to find your phone to see if it's a real horn, so, but, but we're going to know it. So, Okay, all right. Of course, it, it don't matter. As long as you got the word, as long as you got the word, we, we want you to have the word. All right, Psalms 92, verse number 10. It says, but you have, talking about the Lord, you have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. And I have been anointed. Somebody shout anointed. I have been anointed with fresh oil. Woo. I have been anointed with fresh oil. Somebody shout fresh oil. I thank God for yesterday's anointing. But I need a today's anointing. I thank God for the anointing that our forefathers had. But I need an anointing in my generation. I have been anointed. David said, I was anointed with fresh oil. All right? So now let's go to Zechariah. Zechariah, chapter 4. Just a few verses of Scripture here. Of course, not without taking a whole lot of time, but Zechariah comes on the scene. He's prophesying. He's prophesying to Zerubbabel and, and Joshua there about the rebuilding of the temple. It's the post-exile part of them coming out of Babylon. And the, the temple, the foundation of the temple has been laying bare now for about 13 to 16 years. And the word of the Lord comes to Zechariah. He begins to prophesy to Zerubbabel who, Zerubbabel, who was a governor. He was a civil leader. And to Joshua, who was a high priest. He begins to prophesy the word of the Lord let, to get this thing moving to make this thing happen. And we're just going to catch a portion of it in our reading today, and then we're going to try to work it out as we go. Chapter 4, verse number 8. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of the Zor <laughs> The hands of Z... <laughs> the hands of Zerubbabel... They just can't have normal names like Fred or Zach. It's got to be like you're speaking in tongues. Have laid the foundation of this house, and his hands will finish it. His hands have laid the foundation of this house, and his hands are going to finish it. Now, I'm not preaching on that, but that's a promise to whoever's been here from the beginning. We've seen the foundation of the house laid, and we're going to finish it. 
then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has, de who has despised the day of small things? But these seven will be glad when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are the eyes of the Lord which range to and fro throughout the earth. Then I said to him, what are these olive trees on the right of the lampstand and on the left? And I answered the second time and said to him, what are the two olive, olive branches which are on the two sides of the golden pipes with empty, literally the translation that says, which empty or which drip, which drip the golden oil from themselves. So he answered me saying, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. And he said to me, these are the two anointed ones who are standing by the Lord of the whole earth. These are the two anointed ones. The actual translation is this. These are the sons of fresh oil. That's the actual translation. These are the sons of fresh oil who minister with the Lord. Somebody shout fresh oil. So we've been talking about over the last two weeks the power of place. This is like the third message, but I got a subtitle that I want to put on you this morning. I want to call it Oily Places. Oily Places. Come on, touch somebody and say, you look a little slick today. Come on, touch them. You just, you look a little slick today. You look a little slick. You look a little oily today. There's some residue on you. Come on, look at somebody on the other side of you since they didn't respond too good. Tell them, you shining today. You shining. You are shining today. You got, you got a shine on you today. Holy places. Holy places. That's what we're going to talk about. Father, we thank you this morning for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in the next few moments as we gather around the word of the Lord. Lord, we thank you that your word is alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, it's able to divide and pierce. We thank you, Lord, that your word will move in the hearts of men and women today. Holy Spirit, I pray and I thank you today that you will become the preacher, the teacher, the communicator. You will become the revelator, the revealer of truth today. Lord, there's only one truth and it's your truth. Everything else is in opinions. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word to be made alive on the inside of us. And we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor now in advance. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen and amen and amen. God bless you this morning. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Let me just begin by saying a few things today just to kind of catch us up a little bit. But I believe, I believe this. I believe this to the core of my being. I believe that we are standing in what could become the greatest hour that the church has ever witnessed. I believe that since the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Azusa Street, which happened 116 years ago, I believe the church is standing in what could be its finest hour ever. I believe that. I believe in every generation, God has strategically placed people at the right time and at the right place to literally bring restoration and to manifest his glory in many places. 
That's what I believe today. I believe I could even back that up scripturally if we had time to walk it out. But I believe that God is positioning his church for what I'm believing will be the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit that this generation has ever seen. And I believe it's going to be a catalyst to what is to to come even for the generations that are not yet to be born. I believe what God is doing in the earth is so going to surpass what he did in the book of Acts. It's going to make the book of Acts look like a Sunday school class by the time God gets through with his church. Amen. And you and I today, we have the privilege of living in a time where we not only get to witness the outpouring of God's spirit, but he's allowing us to participate with him in this outpouring because he has placed us at the right place, at the right time, in the right generation. He has placed us there. And this is, let me just give you a couple of scriptures here to validate where we're going. Acts 17, this will be on the screen for you. Acts 17, chapter 26 and 27, it says it this way. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. Notice that God has determined from every man a place. He has determined a place. He's a, he, has a ter- he has determined their appointed times and the boundaries in which they would exist and live. And the next verse says, so that they would seek God. So that they would seek God. One translation said they would grope for God. That they would, they would have a feeling and a yearning and a press towards the things of God. He has determined and appointed the times and places of every man. He has determined our, 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 our assignment. He has determined the times of our assignment to be fulfilled. And watch this. He's also determined the location of that assignment over your life. And part of that assignment that we have in the earth as believers is that we would seek God in the midst of the place that he's assigned us to. That we would go after the things of God in the midst of the generation in which we have been called to. That we would make a difference in the cities and the regions and the territories in which God has placed us to. Just so that you'll know, ladies and gentlemen, we didn't come here to give up nothing. We came here to take everything over for the glory of God. We didn't come up here, We're not, we, we haven't been born to let our families go. We, we haven't been born to let anything that God has promised us go. I'm not losing my family. I'm not losing my health. I'm not losing my joy. I'm not losing the power of the cross working in my life. God has positioned us. He has placed us that we might seek God. And if anything that the world needs right now in this generation, it needs a church that knows how to seek God. It needs a church that knows how to go after the things of God. It needs a church that knows how to make him big and everything else smaller. He said that you would seek me. And we find out after seeking him, we find out in our place, in our appointed times, in our place of habitation, then God would begin to manifest his glory in those places. God will, be, God will begin to manifest his power his ability, his might, and his authority in those places. Are you still with me this morning? Now, let me work through a couple things here that I just want to get to. There's a a couple concepts, a couple thoughts 
that I'm working on, and it, one, of them, one of them is this. Who does the future belong to? Who does the future belong to? Eleanor Roosevelt said the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. Hmm. Albert Einstein said the future belongs to those who can hear it coming. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I can hear something in my spirit that the natural ears cannot hear. I hear something in the internal realm of my spirit that natural ears cannot hear. I hear the sound of a movement. I hear the sound of an awakening. I hear the sound. Let me just say it old school. I hear the sound of revival. I hear the sound of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe I don't believe that the earth belongs to the devil. It never has and it never will. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The, the enemy, all the enemy is, he's a usurper. He's a trespasser. He's a, he is a defeated, deceiving spirit. The earth doesn't belong to the devil. And listen, and, 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 and what, what makes you think, what makes me think, that the devil is going to take over something that God owns. Come on, talk to me up in here. If the devil couldn't overthrow heaven with God in it, what makes you think he can overthrow the earth with God in his church? Come on, push on somebody and tell them, we're going to get oily here in a minute now. Just tell them, we're going to get oily here in a minute. We're going to get oily. I hear the sound of this movement. Oh, my Lord, I... I want to try to contain myself today, but I feel like throwing this mic and running because I feel like the drumbeat of the Spirit is pressing in to the things of the world. And I believe that there is about to be a Holy Ghost movement like the world has never seen. I believe that we are at a tipping point. It's a tipping point. It's a prelude to a movement. It's a prelude to revival. A tipping point is when the center of gravity begins to shift and everything that was working against it now begins to work for it. It's when the center of gravity begins to turn and move in a different direction and then it becomes irreversible and unstoppable. I just came here to tell somebody today the church is about to become irreversible and unstoppable. We're not backing up from nothing. We're about to... Run head first into enemy held territory and say we are coming here to let the power of the risen Christ and the anointing of the Holy Spirit invade every area of our nature. Amen. Holy places. Holy places. Many modern day theologians who study current affairs and, they, and, and as they compare it with the New Testament times, they're saying... That the movement in our day, they're saying that the movement in our day through the church is greater than what happened in the book of Acts. That's what modern day theologians who can hear something different. I'm not talking about those doubly dead, plucked up by the roots theologians from the cemeteries, I mean the seminaries. I ain't talking about those people who are talking Christians out of their faith. Because you can, you, can, you can go off to Bible school now and be talked out of your faith because it's a woke congregation up in that school. 
I'm talking about a, a fire breathing, devil stomping, hear something different in my spirit kind of theologian that says, I don't believe we're about to give up nothing, but I believe we're about to take over something. Do you realize that on the day of Pentecost, when those 120 people gathered in that upper room in less than 300 years, in less than 300 years, that movement became the official, it became the official religion of the empire, of, of the total Roman empire. Speaking in tongues, the power of the Holy Spirit. It came the official religion of the Roman empire who just years before that was killing Christians over their religion. And on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. Now that happens every 25 minutes. By this time tomorrow, 172,800 more believers would just have been born into the kingdom of God. I'm just trying to tell you, this thing ain't going nowhere, baby. The church ain't going nowhere. We may have been shaken. We may have been rattled. But the church is here to stay. This gospel of Jesus Christ has lasted 2,000 years of every kind of evil trying to overthrow it. But it's still alive. It's still working. And it's still moving. Our world, as we know it, is shifting. I won't get to where I'm going in a minute. Just hang out with me. Our world is shifting with all kinds of unrest. Pastor Corey talked a little bit about that during the offering. There's all kinds of unrest. There's all kinds of distress. And there's all kinds of uneasiness. That Everywhere we look now, we're hearing about wars and rumors of war. Let me just help you this morning. Do you realize in the last 3,400 years. In the last 3,400 years on the earth, the earth has only known 268 years of peace. 8%, only 8% of the last three millenniums have been war-free. Right now, in the world, globally, Everybody's focused on Russia and the Ukraine. But there are 29 other wars going on around the world right now. There are 30 known wars that are happening in the world right now. The whole world in the last 3,400 years has only had 8% of peacetime. What I'm trying to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this ain't time to quit. This is time to fight. This ain't time to give up. This is the time to put on the armor of God. Gird up your loins. Take up the sword of the Spirit. Grab the shield of faith. Put on the helmet of righteousness. And begin to have your feet shotted with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And run into your enemy's camp. And say, I am here to uproot you. I am here to overthrow you. And I am here to release the glory of the Lord in this place. 
We have this thing, I don't know where it came from, they call it this modern day theology where we act like we don't have nothing to do, where we just kind of let God do everything. But I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, this is not the day that we're living in. The whole world, the whole world, if it's not at war, it's preparing for war. Only the church never prepares for war. Only the church is looking for an escape. But I'm trying to tell you, first the natural, then the spiritual. God is raising up people in places who understand, I am here to do battle. And it don't matter if you like it or not. You better fight for your family. You better fight for your children. You better fight for your marriage. Let me just throw it out there. You better fight for our school systems. Because if not, they're going to be indoctrinated. They're going to be indoctrinated with a worldly mentality. And you better have some... I'm about to say something. You better have something in your tank that says, I am not giving up nothing that God has planted me in. We are here to do kingdom business. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. Has it ever occurred to you that you're living on the front lines? Has it ever occurred to you that things can change? If you'll release the oil that's in your life. Has it ever occurred to you that what would really happen if we start winning this thing at the end of the age? I mean, what if Habakkuk 2.14 is really true when the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord like the waters cover the sea? I mean, what would really happen if we really started believing that? What would really happen in your home if you really started believing that that the whole earth is going to be filled with the glory of the Lord, with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, like the waters cover the sea? What would really happen when you got up and went to work tomorrow and said, I'm going to fill this place with the knowledge of God's glory, just like the waters cover the sea? I mean, what would really happen if you weren't trying to build bunkers and buying dried out fruit? What, 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 what would really happen if, if, if you weren't concerned about, about God coming back and rescuing us, but we begin to take over things? And see, that's not going over too well. Okay, so let me move on. Because everything around us is shifting. Everything around us is in an unrest, politically, military, prophetically. Things are shifting because things have to move. And every generation, I'm going to get to all the places, but every generation has to have a fresh cry for the things of God. Every generation has to have a fresh cry for a revival. Every generation has to learn how to cry out to God. This will be on the screen for you. The test of how people will steward revival when it comes is revealed in how faithfully they cry out for it before it gets here. See, I believe this, that God wants to entrust us with a movement. But are we hungry enough for it to cry out? We want God to come and do something without us. 
and it ain't going to happen. <laughs> God's waiting for a generation that says, I'm hungry for a move of God. I can't let my family go on in this direction. I'm hungry for God to touch my family. I'm hungry for God to touch my city. I'm hungry for there to be a move of God in the earth. That'll make the book of Acts look like a Sunday school class. Push on your neighbor and tell them, get ready, get ready, get ready. I'm about to preach here. I'm about to preach. I'm about, I'm about to come to you right here because I feel like preaching. The Bible says everything that can be shaken. Come on, talk to me. It will be shaken because God is using the shaking, not for the devil, but for his glory. Yeah? The future is ours if we can believe it. The future belongs to those who can hear something coming. The future belongs to those who have a dream. It's who the future belongs to. Let me give you a couple of things here to, 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 to put perimeters on what I'm about to release over your life. There's things that we need to know that's happening at an exponential level. In the natural, there's this acceleration that's taking place. And, and the reason why I want to show this to you, just to let you know that the church is still alive. Because historically and factually, all this stuff can be proven. Let, let me give you, these are just be on the screen. You, you can just look at it or take notes, however you want to do it. Here's things that we need to know. The world's population, because everything's at an accelerated pace. The world's population didn't reach 1 billion people until 1804. In 1960, which was only 156 years later, that number tripled to 3 billion people. In 1999, 39 years later from 1960, the world's population doubled to 6 billion. In 2021, this ain't going to be up there, but in 2021, the world's population came to 7.9 billion people. In 22 years, it jumped 2 billion people. Shortly, there will be more people alive on earth than the total number who have ever lived. Because it's an off-the-chart acceleration in the natural. Things are moving exponentially. Are you tracking with me? The, the world's population has doubled and tripled. In the last 22 years, it's doubled. In the last 22 years. First the natural, then the spiritual. If the world's population is moving at that rate of speed, what do you think it looks like in the spirit? If the world's population in the natural is, is accelerating off the charts, what do you think that that's going to look like in the realm of the spirit? Because God has to use his church to not lose the population base and let them all go to hell. So along with the world's exploding population, there's an increase 
of God's work in the earth. Somebody shout increase. increase. There's an increase of the work of God. Now watch this now. You're not going to hear this on the news. You're not going to hear it on talk shows. They're not going to talk about how powerful the church is. They're just going to talk you about how bad everything is. They're not going to talk about what God is really doing. Every now and then they'll throw a positive story out there just to give you a little bit of hope. But I'm telling you, my hope is not what happens on the news. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, his blood, and his righteousness. That's where my hope is. That's where my hope is anchored. So it, it don't matter to me what the world does because, ladies and gentlemen, the world has always been at war. There has always been warfare in the world. There's always been unrest and distress. We have never felt it like we're feeling it today in this generation, but this ain't the first time America has felt distress. There's probably no living World War II veterans here, but if they were, they could tell you it's been in distress before. The world has been an uneasy place. We've never felt it in our generation, but ladies and gentlemen, I'm trying to tell you, we may feel it, but we're not giving in to it. One-third, this will be on the screen, one-third of everyone who has come to Christ since he has ascended has done so in the last 10 years. It's an acceleration. (laughs) Thank you for all your hearty amens. That means one-third of the people in the earth since the time of that have not gone to hell. They've gone to heaven. In other words, the devil's not winning. I'm trying to help you. The devil's not winning. The church is winning this thing. Every single week, by the time we get to midnight tonight, from last week to this week, from last Sunday to this Sunday, one million people have given their life to Jesus Christ. I didn't see that on Fox. I didn't see that on CNN. I didn't see that on MSNBC. But I'm just trying to tell you, globally, the church is moving. Globally, the church is anointed. Globally, the church is taking over places. With the population propulsion and the rate of salvation, watch this. There, there, There will be shortly, shortly, there will be more people alive who confess Jesus as Lord than anyone in history who has now been saved and is in heaven. Well, you just push on somebody and tell them we're going to win this thing. Come on, will you just tell them? We're going to win this thing. I shared some stats with you last week. I'm not going to go through all those, but every, every three seconds, someone gets born again in China. Every three seconds. 28,000 people will be born again in one day in communist China where the gospel is not preached openly. You think God is intimidated by governments? You think God is intimidated by rogue regimes? You, you You think the whole gospel of the kingdom of God Rest on a dictator? You've got to be out of your mind. 
I'm just trying to tell you, this thing, we ain't losing nothing because we are holy people and we're going to have some holy places where the outpouring of the Holy Spirit will be alive. It will be moving and you will see thousands upon thousands of people come into the kingdom of God. By 2030, what's that, eight years from now, right? Somebody help me. I'm not good. Is that eight? 20, 20, eight years. One, two, three, four. Okay. By 2030, there will be more Christians in China than in America. Oh, God, what are we going to do? I'm telling you what we're going to do. We're going to win this thing. We're going to depopulate hell and populate heaven. That's what we're going to do. We're coming after every drug addict, every, every alcoholic. We're coming after every single parent struggling somebody. We're coming after every demonic depressed, bound up that needs to be there. We're coming after everything under the sun of the enemy's camp and we're saying to him right in front of his enemy held territory and we're letting him know this church ain't backing up. This church ain't losing ground. This church ain't surrendering nothing but we're going to march right up into bondages. We're going to march right up into strongholds and we're going to say loose them and let them go until we see the manifestation of the glory of God just like the waters cover the sea. Come on push on somebody Tell them, I feel anointed. I feel, I feel anointed. I feel anointed. I'm going to preach in a minute. Just hang out with me. I ain't there yet. I'm just trying to tell you that the recovery and the restitution of our cities and our territories is not going to come from Wall Street. It's not going to come from the White House. And I don't care your favorite, whoever put it in there, it still ain't going to come from the White House. It's going to come from the church house. The restoration of our cities doesn't come through governments. They can help or they can hinder, but it don't matter. The gospel is still going to be pushed forward. The restoration and the movements of God in the cities is coming from God's house. And the agenda of God has always been to restore cities and territories after his house is restored. We all praying about everything that's going on in our economy and our government. God bless you. Keep praying for it. I don't care about that. I'm praying for the church. I'm praying for the church. I'm pr- because if the church can come alive, we'll save our cities. If the church can come alive, we'll turn our cities upside down. In Scripture, we understand that the oil represents the anointing, okay? And all throughout the life of Jesus, we find that everything that Jesus did in the earth, he did not do it as the Son of God. He did it as the Son of Man, anointed by the Holy Ghost. Look with me in this scripture right here, Luke chapter 4. Guys in the back, find that scripture for me. Luke chapter 4, verse number 18. Just track with me here. And this is Jesus speaking. And the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the spirit don't come without purpose. 
because he has anointed me. I wish you just touched somebody and said, I got the spirit on me right now. Just tell them, I got the spirit on me right now. The spirit, because well, here it is. I know you're, we're reading about Jesus, but what's true of Jesus is true of you. So, so, so when you say the spirit of the Lord is upon me, don't, don't say like Jesus. Say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. <laughs> because he has anointed me to tell somebody about the good news. He has sent me to recover or to proclaim the release of the captives. He sent me to recover the sight of the blind and to set free everybody who was oppressed. Push on somebody and say, he's talking about you, you, you. You are the one that's anointed. You are the one that's anointed to preach the good news. And just so you don't think you got to have a microphone and stand behind a pulpit, you don't have to preach the good news with a microphone. You preach the good news by your lifestyle. You preach the good news by living a positive life, a good life, a godly life in front of your friends and family. That's preaching to them. I forgot who it was. He says, by all means, always preach the gospel, but very seldom use words. Yeah? <laughs> Look at this scripture, Acts 10.38. You know, you know Jesus of Nazareth. Okay, let me just put you in there. You know Porter. <laughs> South Carolina. How God anointed him. <laughs> I just put your name in there. You know, you know of Corey. You know of Jeff. Y'all going to make me name everybody? Just put your name in there. You know, you know that crazy rascal Chuck Pelham. You know that, I mean, can't, I mean, loves the hog hunt kind of somebody. You know Chuck Pelham of the southwest corner of Lake Okeechobee, right there in good old Sugar Town. You know Chuck Pelham, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. Push on somebody, tell them, you got the spirit with some power. I'm going to preach in a minute. Just hang out with me. And how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Ah. You know why God was with Jesus? was because of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Because what he did, he did not do it as the Son of God. He did it as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit. What's true of Jesus is true of you. When you go to work tomorrow, you have been empowered. You have been anointed. You got some oil on you, baby. You are greasy. You are shiny. You are slick. You are powerful. And you go about doing good. Somebody in your workplace says, I don't feel good. You know what you do? You lay hands on them in the name of Jesus and curse whatever's cursing them. Don't say, well, just come to church and God will hear you. No, you are the church. You are a walking cape. You are a movement in the earth. God is waiting on you to find somebody where you can do good and deliver them of the powers of hell. Because we have been anointed. We're anointed. 
You're not just anointed to make money. You're just not anointed to make babies. You're just not anointed to go to school or go to work. You are anointed to set the captives free. Your job is your pulpit. That's your place to anoint and release the power of God. That's why Jesus said to everyone that came after him, he said this to everybody that came after him in John 14, 12. He said, surely I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And the greater works than these will he, he will do. You know how you're going to do it? Because as I, he says, I go to my Father which is in heaven. The thing that separated Jesus apart from everybody else on the planet was his anointing. It was the oil that was in his life. The Holy Spirit, the, the enablement or the empowerment of the Spirit. And Jesus so believed in the work of the Spirit. He told all those that were following him. He said, he said I'm about to go. I'm about to leave this planet. And, 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 and when I go, but here, here's your assignment. He says, I want you to go and I want you to change the world. I'm going to leave, and I'm going to leave all this unrest. I'm going to leave all this craziness. I'm going to leave all this havoc with you. You now go and do what I did. You now go and change your school, change your job, change your company, change your family. Talk to me up in here. Change your children. Change your marriage. You go and do it. Some of you say, oh, my God, he's screaming again. He said, I want you to go, and I want you to change the world. But here, here's the thing. But before you change the world, I want you to go to Jerusalem. And I want you to find this little upper room. And I want you to get up there in that upper room, and I want you to tarry. I want you to hold out for a season. I want you to wait because what I'm asking you to do, you can't do it without me. What I'm asking you to do, you can't do it with your intellect. You can't do it with your money. You can't do it with all the things that you possess. What I'm asking you to do is going to take an anointing from the Holy Spirit. And I want you to get up there in that upper room. And the same spirit that's on me is going to invade that upper room. And he's going to fill your life. And you're going to be slick. You're going to be oily. And you're going to go and you're going to change your world just like I've been changing it for the last three years. Hang out until he fills you. And then come out of there sent like a man or a woman from another world. Because the assignment that God is giving us, the assignment that God has given to the church, requires the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an add-on. The Holy Spirit is not an it. People get on TV and say, I just want to praise God. You know, there's all kinds of gods. The Holy Spirit will testify of Jesus. What I'm asking you to do, you can't do it without me. You can work a job. You can make money. You don't need me for that. But what I'm asking you to do is to change the world and you need some help. 
Because there are demons, there are powers, there are principalities, there's some evil and there's some devils. And you don't do that because you make a lot of money. You don't cast them out because you're smart. You don't cast them out because you got a degree. You cast them out because the work of the Holy Spirit resides on the inside of you and they know where to bow the knee to. That means you got to have a relationship with the oil. This demand that's going on in our world, and ladies and gentlemen, y'all, y'all, this is a smart bunch. and we, we all, We're all educated and we're all up to par with what's going on. If man could fix the world, why have we had 3,400 years of war? Because man can't fix it. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing magical about the oil. Just don't, 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 don't make a doctrine out of the oil. There's nothing magical about the oil in and of itself. It's symbolic. The, the oil is symbolic of his presence. The anointing oil represents the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. The oil was, in, in Old Testament culture, the oil was very familiar. It was an important part of, 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 of cultural symbolism in Old Testament times, but the anointing oil, the oil, was merely nothing more than a tool. Are you tracking with me? But it foreshadowed, it foreshadowed, the Old Testament anointing oil foreshadowed the work of the Holy Spirit that was coming into the New Testament. That's why Jesus said, go Terry, hang out until he gets there. Jesus left the planet, but the Christ stayed. The Christos, the anointed one and his anointing stayed. The disciples saw Jesus leave, but the Christ stayed. So with every spiritual tool that God gives us, the real power is not in the tool. Come on, if you think Samson killed all those Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey, killed a thousand Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey, you think that all that power was in that jawbone? The power is in what it represents. Every tool that God gives the church, the power comes from God. So the anointing oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit that comes to heal, that comes to set free, that comes to empower, and it comes to bless. That's why sometimes we get in. So I told Pastor Porter, I said, I felt something in worship today. It was really good because I, like, I, like, I felt like there was a little bit more engagement in people today. When you, you can feel when people start engaging in worship because it gets oily. It's oily. It might, it might be dry in your chair. And the flood of, out, of God's outpouring can be just like one chair over. And it's not because they're better. It's just because they have entered into something that you refuse to tap into. Because you came up in here to be entertained. You didn't come in here to get wet. 
And then you walk out and you want somebody to pray for you. Well, I'm just saying, if you'll just get oily, you don't need prayer because that oil will do what it's called to do. <laughs> so in our text, I'm about to get there. Y'all doing all right? I only got like a few minutes left. Trust me, I know exactly where I'm at in time, but I'm way short on my notes. In our text, the prophet Zechariah, he comes with this, he's got a series of visions. And he comes with this vision. He, sees, he said, I see a lampstand of gold with its bowl and two olive oils on each side of it, and it's dripping oil. He saw the lampstand. In his vision, he saw the lampstand that was in the holy place. He saw the lampstand that was in the holy of holies. The lampstand in his vision was this branch that had seven branches with lamps on its top, and it illuminated. It brought light to the holy place. What he was seeing in that place of illumination, that there was no longer going to be a need. Watch this. Don't lose what I'm about to tell you. There was no longer going to be a need for a priest to come in every day and pour oil into the lampstands because there was an olive tree that was constantly dripping fresh oil into that lamp. Don't lose me right here. Because here, here it is. There was going to be no need for it to be replenished by a man because it was supernatural replenishing. The Lord was saying that there's oil that flows that needs no natural prompting. It will flow from the olive trees supernaturally. And out of that dripping, out of that dripping of the oil, God is filling, watch now, God is filling the lampstands that can burn brightly from the eternal realm, internal realm, and not from an external way. Because the oil was providing the light. The oil was providing the fire. You know why we got cold, dead Christians you know, how, you know why they're not on fire? There's no oil. You can't have fire without oil. You know why there's no light in your dark place? It's because there's no oil. Woo. Oh, Lord, I better go. He was saying to Zerubbabel, who was a governor, a civil leader, he said it. We didn't read it, but it's in verse 4. We started in verse 8. He said, what you see going on, it's not by might. And it's not by power. But it's by my spirit. The, the promise that God is giving us, it's not going to be based on our own overwhelming strength. It's not going to be based on your ability to keep standing. Your breakthrough it's not coming by might. It's not coming by power. It's coming through the Spirit. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's through the Spirit. What God is saying. Woo, Lord, let me get to where I want to go. What God is saying over the church is that you don't have to strain to get this fire lit. You just got to be receptive to the oil that's in the house. 
You just got to have a willing spirit to receive what's already dripping out of the olive tree and into the candlestick. You just have to let the oil fill the place so that you can be ignited, so that you can burn, so that you can go and light some dark places. Okay, let me hurry. Let me just give you a few of these. Number one, only places. Number one, only places. Number one, there's oil in the ear. There's oil in the ear. Yeah, that boy. Leviticus. Leviticus 14 talks about how the priest would be anointed with his, with his ear, his toe, and his finger. I want to talk about the ear. You can't hear the sound of the spirit without all the ears. Like never before in the body of Christ, we need people with only ears. We need only ears to help filter out all the noise that's in our world. We need only ears because there's so much noise on social media promoting every conceivable thing. And without only ears, watch me now. Without all the ears, we start to agree with the rhetoric and the propaganda that's being promoted and empowered. This will be on the screen for you. What, 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 what we agree with, we empower. What, when we agree or believe a lie, you empower the liar. You empower the liar. That's why you can't believe that stuff what you're seeing on the news. I know some of it might be accurate, and we got to stay informed. I get it. I'm that way. I'm a news junkie. Ask my wife. She's always telling me, turn that off, turn that off, turn that off. I'm just trying to get informed. I, I get it. But at the end of the day, I'm not counting on the news to define the prophetic picture of my life. Because whatever you agree to, you empower. Well, we're going, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Not according to the stats I just gave you. Not according to what God is doing around the world. The world ain't going to hell in a handbasket. I'm trying to tell you, the world is going to heaven. At least we're going to take as many as we can. You have to hear the news with all the ears. I ain't got time to preach all this because we are... Desperately out of time. You got to be, you got to hear your friends with all the ears. You got to watch TV with all the ears. Hmm? You got to listen to the radio. Turn your radio on. You got to listen to the radio. Well, I, went, I went like 70s on you right there. With all the ears. All right, let me just help you. You got to listen to preachers with some all the ears. Because there's some preachers out there that ain't in it for God. We're living in a day where we need all the ears because people will compromise the word and their belief and start calling right, wrong, and wrong, right. 
And there's a pressure in our churches. I'm just trying to help us. I, I can't speak for every church anywhere. I can speak for New Harvest Church. I've been, I've been licensed and ordained and set in authority over this house. And there are churches that are under pressure to compromise the word in fear of what the woke crowd and the cancer culture might do. Cancel culture might do. So they have, they have reduced the gospel to therapy because they don't want to be canceled. They have reduced the truth of God's word to a motivational speech so you walk out of here happy but not offended. Because we don't want nobody to be offended, right? Because we live in a sensitive culture. I want to tell you something. The truth of God's work needs to cut us. Because left to ourselves, we are a messed up people. They want us to be silent. Don't talk about same-sex marriage. Don't speak out against it. The devil is a lie. It's wrong. Don't, don't preach on sin. How are they going to know they're sinning? Okay, I'm losing all my amen. Y'all about to throw chairs at me while I go. It's dwindling. We don't need people and preachers with dry ears. You know what a dry ear, a dry ear is? It's a sign of infection. The body of Christ is infected with dry ears. And this infection is deadly. Ooh, all right, let me hurry. Number two, since, since y'all are really good. Number two, I got a whole lot more to say, but I'm going to hurry because we got to get it. Number two, there's oil in the wounds. The wounds, the wounds. Don't have time to go there, but Luke chapter 10 talks about the good Samaritan that helped the man that was on the roadside between Jericho and Jerusalem. The man had been, Jesus told the parable how the man had been beaten and left for dead. It's about an 18-mile road from Jerusalem down to Jericho. It's about a 13,000, uh, 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 the Dead Sea is all the way down to the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is like 13,000-something feet below sea level. So it was a major descent. And this man was lying, beat up by robbers and thieves and left for dead. And, and watch this. And the priests came by and the, the Levi came by. The religious folks came by and didn't do nothing. Because you know why? Religion don't know how to release the oil. Religion don't know how to release the oil in people's brokenness. The priest and the Levi came by and went to the other side of the road and left him for dead. But, but, but then the Samaritan comes, and because the man that was beat up was a Jew, and Samaritans and Jews, there was a lot of racism in that day. Because, because, because the Jews thought that the Samaritans were half-breeds. They thought they were a mixed race to big people. They always worshipped in other places, so they, they didn't have nothing to do with them. But this Samaritan came by and saw the Jew in his condition. We need an oily church that knows how to pour the oil and the wine into hurting humanity. And we don't care if they don't look like us. We don't care if they don't dress like us. We don't care if they don't smell like us. We don't care what side of the road they live on. We don't care what their zip code is. All we know is they're hurting, they're bleeding, they're dying, and they need the oil poured into them. We need to be a church that understands we embrace everybody, black or white. 
We need to be a church that embraces everybody on every level. I don't care if you're a struggling single somebody and you can't barely make ends meet or you're making millions of dollars. I'll never change the gospel to accommodate your money because everybody needs the power of the cross and the oil of gladness poured back into a hurting humanity. Everybody deserves that. And we can get so religious that we'll just look down our nose and say, well, they ain't like me. They ain't a part of my tribe, so I ain't going to fool with them. You know what, y'all? You are a religious, pharmaceutical-minded somebody that God will not bless. God will not bless it. People in our community are hurting every day. People that you walk by every day are hurting. Don't be so religious that you walk by them. Religion, the upper echelon, just passed him by. Because you know why? Because the religion don't care. You know who I want in this house? I want the broke, the busted, and the disgusted. You know who I want in this house? I want the gay and the straight. You know who I want in this house? I want the prodigals and the non-prodigals. Yeah, oh, let me just bust on you for a moment. You know who I want in this house? I want the Democrats and the Republicans. I want an elephant and a donkey up in here. Because I ain't moved by neither one of them because you can't ride none of them. But I am moved by the Holy Ghost. God ain't going to come in on a donkey. He ain't going to come in on, on an elephant. But he will come in with an oily place. He'll come in where the power and the presence of the anointing of God is tangible. Yes, he will. Jesus said it best in Matthew 25, 40. He said, truly I say to you, whatever you did to the one of the least of these, you did it unto me. Let me put it to you the way I like to break it down. This is my, this is my interpretation of that. The way you treat the person you love the least is the way you love God the most. The way you treat the person you love the least is the way you love God the most. Don't tell me you're a follower of Christ and you can't treat everybody on the same level. That's why we got to have an oily church. We need an oily church because humanity don't need your intellect. And I'm not saying your wisdom is off. I'm just saying it needs something deeper. It needs an oily touch. Okay, what number are we on? Okay, let me give you the last one. Oh, my Lord. Number three, there's oil in the lampstand. Oil in the lampstand. We're going to finish right here. The lampstands were designed with a specific purpose. Everything God designed. It's with purpose. The lampstand was to illuminate the holy place in the tabernacle. Because remember, it had that big curtain in there. It was dark. It was dark. What causes the fire, what causes the light to shine was when the oil was in the lampstand. Without the oil, there's no light. What makes the ministry attractive 
is not good facilities. It's not even popular music. It's not even good programs or good preaching. What makes the ministry attractive is there's some oil in the house. Because when all the people get together, that oil begins to flow. Without the oil, watch me now, watch out. Without the oil on this campus and in our lives, this ain't nothing but a sheep shed. The oil provided the light. It provided the fire to illuminate the darkest places. People all around us are living in darkness. They're waiting on you to get there. When you went into the Holy of Holies, when you got in there, they had the table of showbread right there. Some translation calls it the bread of his presence. Bread in scripture always means revelation. When you went into the Holy of Holies where the candlelight was illuminating, it illuminated the bread. It illuminated the revelation. It it illuminated the revelation of God of what was holy and what was unholy. Why is it in America, in our churches, we can't talk about the holy and the unholy? Because when you get oil, light is illuminating. And revelation talks about the holy and the unholy. We got people getting mad, getting mad at preachers because we call things out according to scripture, so they want to cancel us. Whatever. Whatever. Do what you think you gotta do. I'm talking about I'm talking about you. I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about you. I'm, I'm dealing with spirits, okay? When I preach, I deal with spirits, okay? And if you got that spirit in you, then you can say, okay, he's talking to me. Church folk get mad when you start talking about truth. The only reason why they get mad is because they don't want to be cut. Because they, they, they want to protect their little, their little idol, which is them. We become an idol to ourselves. We can have good programs, pomp and circumstance, <laughs> knowledge, religious rhetoric. We can have all our protocols, all of our performances. We can have sizzle but no sustenance. We can have a lot of hype, but no holiness. Where there's no oil, people begin to compromise. And then compromise becomes permissible. We, we, we compromise sex outside of marriage. Yeah, okay, okay, I feel you, I feel you. Don't, please don't get quiet, I'll have to, hurt, I'll have to work long, longer. We ought to be able to talk about things that are unholy. Being hateful. Here you are born again and you mad all the time. The Bible says in Psalms 47, I think it is, put on the oil of gladness so your face will shine. <laughs> Notify your face you're anointed. <laughs> Just remind your smile, hey, you're anointed. You got to put on a smile. You know, like, like, don't walk into a room and own it. Everybody shut down because you're there. (laughs) 
if I don't get Pastor Porter and the worship team up here, then I'm going to kill this meeting, like right now. So come on, Pastor Porter. Come on, worship team. You guys, come on. I'm going to finish right here, but let them, let, let them come on. We start tolerating bad behavior. And then we justify it because we've been hurt. Or you don't know what they did to me. No, I probably don't. And the truth is, I'm concerned, but I don't really care. Because you can take it to the cross like everybody else. I do. I, I don't mean that. I don't like, like, I, like whatever. I mean, I, I'm concerned that you're hurting because I don't want you to stay hurt. But, but I'm not going to play in your victimized mentality. People are confused because our holy places have become dark places. Supposed to walk into the holy place and supposed to be lit. People are confused. They come into a, they come into a holy place and it looks like the unholy place. There's much going on in the holy place as there is going on in the unholy place. Praise the Lord. You know, a dark house looks clean until it gets illuminated. <laughs> Don't turn the lights on. I want you to see it. As long as no one can see the mess, you can call it clean. But the Holy Spirit illuminates. He illuminates from the inside out. That's what Zechariah was trying to tell the people. There's going to be a constant dripping of the oil to the sons of fresh oil. It's going to be dripping, and it's not going to come from man-made oil poured into the lamps. It's going to be an internal thing that's going to be dripping out. It's going to be an internal work that begins to work through God's people. It's an internal work. So I, I, I thank God, and we're going to do this. We got, we got anointing oil. I had, Praise the Lord. I got, I got anointing oil right here. I just said, I said, Lord, I'm not going to have a service again without anointing oil. I'm not going to do nothing. We're going we're gonna to pray for people. We're going to do what we're going to do. We're going to cast out devils. We're going to heal the sick. We're going to do everything that we do. We're going to put oil. We're going to lay hands on the sick. We're going to call for the elders of the church. We're going to preach. We're going to pray. We're going to prophesy. We're going to do everything that we are supposed to do. David said, I was anointed with fresh oil. Fresh oil. And the angel asks, this is where we're closing. Come on, you just stand to your feet, please. The angel, the angel, the angel asks, do you know what you see? Do you know what you're looking at, Zechariah? Do you know what this continual dripping is, Zechariah? Do, do you know what you're looking at in this holy place? Zechariah was honest. He said, I don't understand. He said, it's, it's the dripping of the empowerment and the presence of God coming on the, the sons of fresh anointing. It's dripping and it's constant. Holy Spirit is consistent. It's consistently moving and it's dripping. It's dripping. It's a continual flow that don't need to be propped up by man. See, the moment you get over the fear of people, you'll start living victoriously.
You can love people, but you should fear God. It's not coming from this external support system. 1 John 2.20, you have an anointing on the inside of you. It's a movement of the Holy Spirit, and it's dripping. David said, I was anointed with fresh oil. How many are ready for some fresh oil? I just came to prophesy to you, we're coming into some oily places. And there's some fresh oil in this season right here. Come on, there's some fresh oil coming. We're going to be oily people. We're going to have oily places. And we're going to have an oily purpose. There's some fresh oil that's dripping. Lord, whatever you're going to do in this season, Lord, don't, don't, don't.